0: All right, well good morning everybody. My name is Eric Rebstock. I'm the men's pastor here and I have to say I was listening to the announcements and I just got to say well done Uh, It is such a privilege to be part of this body of Christ and uh, And I was just listening to the numbers and the number of volunteers and the number of donations and the The way that we get to partner with people uh, And just great job Great job. I just wanted to say that so uh it's a great time for us to remember things, right? So my, my wife has recently been compiling all of our photo albums. We've got four kids, and, and so one of her life goals was to make a photo album for each one of them that takes them all the way through uh, through time. And so uh, up until, you know, their current ages, she was able to do that. And, and so I would go home for the last month. I've been able to go home and, and, I'd, and I'd arrive and the whole table would be covered with photos and clippings and, and markers and all these different things uh, of the pictures of our kids all the way through life. And so we, was, we would be able to sit down and, and just look at all these pictures, right? This, this funny haircut or this outfit that they loved or, or this experience or that time. And we just loved it. You know, and you start to think about how much life changed when we had kids. I mean, at some level, I don't even remember what life was like before having kids, right? I don't remember what it was like to have time or money or energy or rest, you know, all these different things that, that you parents know precisely what I'm talking about. And, and so that was good for us to remember, right? It's good to remember. And so I don't think that God has a photo album of Jesus' life, right? But if he did— I wonder what it would be like to sit next to him and have him go back through Jesus' life when we get to spend our time with him in glory. I mean, imagine, you know, he kind of goes to the back and he says, ah, you know, I love this one. This is where he returns the righteous redeemer on that great white horse. It's beautiful. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, he, he did it all. Just love that or, or the ascension. You should have seen the look on their faces when he just went away in a cloud. They didn't really know what to do. Or or this one. I love this one, the, the resurrection. Rolled back the stone, and this is him just walking right out of the grave. He conquered death. And those angels. Mary was so scared of those angels this one the crucifixion that was a really hard day for us there was so much sin there was so much sin I had to turn my back on him on the cross I couldn't look there were these miracles and yeah, that was awesome this one oh wait this one's upside down um he changed water to wine. And not just wine, but the very best wine. Or this woman, she, she was dead. And now she's alive. Or this person, you know, he couldn't even see. And the first thing that he saw was his Savior. That was just amazing. Or his baptism. I was so proud of him that day. I had to tell him. A dove over his head. It was beautiful. (laughs) This time when he was in the temple when he was 12, he was so precocious. Mom, why were you looking for me out there? Didn't you know I would be in here going about my father's business? Or the flight to Egypt. They had to rush out of the house. I mean, you can see... The guys are coming around the front of the house and they're running out the back on their way, right? It was so scary for them. They barely made it out. Or these wise men, three guys, they look like kings. I mean, who walks for two years to see a baby? But they knew when he was born that the world changed and they wanted to worship the world changer. And then this, this one's my favorite. This was the day he was born. the most amazing time in history, the world was never the same. Everything changed the day he was born. Yeah, amen. And so the world has still changed, right? Because Jesus changes everything. And so if there's one thing that I want you to get today, it's that the birth of Jesus changes everything. You know, during the Christmas season, baby Jesus is everywhere, right? We've taken the king of kings and we've turned him into common thought, right? He's the epitome of the ubiquitous baby Jesus. And all of a sudden he shows up, right? He's nowhere all year long, and then he shows up on every Christmas card, and he's in the mall, and he's lit up on your neighbor's front lawn, you know, all night long so you can't sleep. Like, he's just everywhere, and he's even in Hollywood, right? And we see this this rendition, right? Hollywood It's movies, but still, it's some idea of what society is like. And so we're going to look at a clip here, and it's funny, right? And I'll say, out of all the people that saw it, maybe the person who laughed the most was Pastor Marty. So you can laugh at this. A couple things you should know, right? One, this is not necessarily me condoning this movie. You can choose on your own. Two, the quality is just not the greatest. I had to talk Pastor Nick into letting us show this particular clip. So you can see how technology kind of wanes uh, over the last 12 years. So, so take a look at this. It's, for us, it's a perfect example of how we take Jesus so lightly and we turn him into this spiritual ATM machine. So take a look at this. Summer's ready! Come on, y'all! I've been slaving over this for hours!
1: Dear Lord, baby Jesus... Or as our brothers to the south call you, Zeus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. and of course my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox. Mm. I also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Notton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. It smells terrible. and the dogs are always Mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Your tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing... He was a, a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt because it says like I want to be formal, right. but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a an ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band, and I'm in the front row. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay, dear. Eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Let's dig in.
0: All right. Okay, So, so that's funny, right? And slightly irreverent, and as Pastor Doug Bezijin said, we are certainly dancing on the edge of taste when we look at that. (laughs) But Jesus is taken so lightly that it needs to be pointed out. And so I look at something like this, and after I get done laughing, this quote from A.W. Tozer comes to mind. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's a powerful quote. And you know, when I think about our lives, I, I don't think that we think changing comes to mind, right? We don't do that. I think we go through life and we say, well, it's all right, right? We've bought into the lie that we don't need to be changed, especially when your wife is smoking hot and you're rich and you've got Walker and Texas Ranger as your handsome sons, Right? Taco Bell's on the table, right? We don't, we don't need anything else. And so we've convinced ourselves that, that we're good. We loathe this idea of giving up control. And so we say, why would we even want Jesus to change me? Why would we even want that? There's this uh, question that Jesus asks in Matthew chapter 16. He says, who do they say that I am, right? He asks the disciples that. And they say, well, you're John the Baptist, or you're Elijah, or you're Jeremiah, or you're one of the prophets. And he says, okay. And he asks this simple and deep and powerful question. He says, but who do you say that I am? And it was simple and deep and powerful because it cut right to the heart of it. And the answer that they gave changed their lives. They said, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. You see, the nation of Israel had always been looking for the Messiah. They were looking for many reasons, for deliverance, for redemption, for, for, uh, for peace, and at that time, when Jesus was born, every man, woman, and child that was Hebrew would have known all of these prophecies through the all, all of the Old Testament, which was the only testament at that time. You know, uh, scholars say that there are some 300 prophecies that point to Jesus. And some of them are prophecies uh, about the covenant, or some are lineage, or locations, or travel, or... or um, or miracles. Young women at that time that weren't married would have grown up wishing and wanting and hoping that they could be the virgin mother. They all looked in expectation that maybe they were the one. You know, for generations, prophecies just like these two were held to, as what a reminder was to come. Take a look at these. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Or in Isaiah 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And all these and many more point to the miraculous birth of the Messiah. They point to the birth of So we're going to take a look at this Christmas story that you're so familiar with. In Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, it says this, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So you know this story. You know it backward and forward. You have heard this story every year since the day you were born. You get it, right? You get the angel in the middle of the night, the young teenage girl who was scared out of her minds, the Holy Spirit, the, the jilted fiancé who was going to divorce her but decided not to, the shepherds, the angels, the angry king. You get it. And so today, I'm not going to talk through that part, right? because you, you get it and you understand it so much. I'm not going to find some nugget or take some angle that you've never heard before, because maybe there isn't at this point. It's a great story. But we're going to look at what the effect and the impact long-term from the, from the birth of Jesus had on the nation of Israel. And so we look at what happened in the Bible, right? It's filled with stories of how the birth of Jesus ultimately changed people. They, um, they came to Jesus when he was in the temple, trying to trap him, and they said about this blind man, they said, who sinned? This man... Or his parents. And he said, neither, but that his life could show the glory of God. And then he gave him back his sight. I'd say that that man was changed by the birth of Jesus. Or the leper who was finally able to worship again in the temple. He had been unclean for years, and Jesus cleansed him and allowed him, and that allowed him to go back into the temple Or the ruler of the synagogue, right? Think about that. The ruler of the synagogue. So he's part of the religious right. He doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah at all. Right up until the point that his daughter dies. And then Jairus rushes to Jesus and says, Please bring my daughter back to life. And he does. I'd say Jesus changed her life and his. Or the blind who were able to see or the lame who are able to walk or how about the woman who was caught in adultery and people around her who were legally allowed to throw low stones at her until she died. And Jesus treated her with such grace and love that everyone dropped their stones and walked away. I'd say the birth of Jesus changed her life. But those are just individuals, right? So just Jesus helped a few people. All right, how about a bigger picture? How about right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said to the disciples, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. He can't come until I leave. And so that's what they did. They waited. And so Peter gets up to preach a uh, a few weeks later at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes down and lands on them. Peter spoke in such a way that 3,000 people turned their lives over to the Lord and started a new relationship with him that day. It's a powerful thing. I'd say Jesus changed their lives. Or how about the church? What happened with the church? Those people acted so differently because they were part of the body of Christ. And as we read this passage Tell me this doesn't sound like real community. Tell me this doesn't sound like something you would be, love to be a part of. Tell me this doesn't sound like what we should sound like. In Acts chapter 2, it says this about the fellowship of the believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, Is that not a beautiful picture? They lived life in such a powerful way that people said, I want to be a part of that. I love the way that that looks and I want to be a part of that and engage in that. And more and more and more people came to know the Lord through their actions. See, the birth of Jesus changed everything in their lives. And the birth of Jesus can change everything in our lives too do you love the way that kids receive gifts? I mean, I do. They, they don't have any idea that you were up all night assembling that bike or that you had paid double on eBay for that little doll and drove to Boston to get it, all right? Or that you sacrificed and scrimped and saved and you went without for months just so that there could be something for them. They just get that gift and they open it and they start to play with it in a really holy and wholesome way. They don't care about all that other stuff. You give them the gift and they receive it. And the birth of Jesus is kind of like that gift. You know, God um, gave, uh, uh, gave Jesus to us, right, to the whole world, yes, but to us as individuals as well. God just said, look, here is my son. I want you to take him God recognized that we keep doing things to try and fill this hole in our heart, and it's this perfect hole that's jesus size, but it doesn't really matter because we try to keep stuffing other stuff in it. Uh, I love this quote from Andy Stanley. He says, The American dream is running after more of the things that already don't make us happy. Right? Is that not a picture of our lives? Jesus' birth is from God, and he loves you more than is humanly possible. He was a gift He was given to us. I love what Scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. He gave us his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the verse right after it, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is God's gift. He gave him to us. But how does that work with a little baby Jesus in golden fleece diapers, right? I mean, how, how does it work? So I love what Ricky Bobby said as a theologian, right? He says this, baby Jesus, just a tiny little infant, so cuddly but still omnipotent, thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God, Right? And so we might be tempted to just pass that off and say that's just Hollywoodism and it's not true, but I think that we might be missing something if we did because it's actually a really deep and profound statement recognizing who Jesus is and he he recognizes the deity of Jesus and the challenge of God as man, right? God became man? How, How does that work? And I'd love to stand here and say, well, listen, I'm the pastor and I know the answer to this. But the truth is, I don't know the particulars of the answer. I don't really understand how that could happen physically. But I know God's word says that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts and they're deeper than all of that. And so I trust him in that. But still, we have to be willing to wrestle with that question. And I love the way that the Apostle Paul wrestles with that question. I think he gives us a great answer and a great challenge in Philippians chapter 2. He says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, Jesus laid the limitations of man over his own glory. I love that. If you're a theologian, if you like theology, the word for that is kenosis. Jesus renounces his divine power. Okay, so we hear these stories and we say, we hear phrases like this and we say, okay, I get it. I get it. But do we really get it? There's a story in John 21. It takes place on the Sea of Galilee eight days after Jesus was crucified, and Peter, Nathaniel, James, and John, they went back to their fishing business because they were just so lost. They didn't know what else to do. And they had fished all night, just hopelessly lost in fishing, and they didn't catch anything. So, as they start to come back in, right, dawn is breaking, and they start to come back in, and there's a man that they can see standing on the beach, and he yells out, Throw your nets over the other side for a catch. So they say, All right, why not? So they do. And they haul in this huge number of fish, so many that their nets start to break. And there's this little sentence at the end of verse 12 that's so powerful. And we might miss it. It says, And they knew that it was the Lord. So, the Old Testament was originally written in Greek, and so we lose a little bit in translation. Right? So this isn't, uh, they knew that it was the Lord. They, it wasn't that they just knew it. It wasn't like my friend Gene and Kim have a son named Grant. Right? I know that. This was more like knowing that storks don't bring babies. Oh, I know. Oh, 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 oh. Right? It's this discovery. It's, it's this true, deep knowledge and understanding. It's, the word new means when seeing becomes believing. In that clip, Ricky Bobby knew that he was praying to Jesus, right? Eight pounds, six ounce Jesus, baby Jesus. He knew that. But he didn't know that he was praying to Jesus, Our interaction with Jesus at Christmas in America is so common. It's kind of like that sign that sits out behind home plate, right, in a baseball game. It says John 3.16. And we go, oh yeah, John 3.16. That's that verse about how Jesus died on the cross and saving us from our sins and all that. Yeah, I see the sign. And we see the sign, but we don't believe the sign. And truly knowing it, when seeing actually becomes believing— that's when the birth of Jesus changes us. Um, if, you got, if, you, if you spend enough time with me, you'll hear me say this phrase, every man has a story, because every one of us has a story. And so it's true for my friend Steve. He has a story well, and uh, he has a story as well. And, and the first half of his story was lived out in amazing fashion. He had it all. He had it all. 5,000-square-foot house. Years in business where he made seven figures World famous business deals that people still talk about today He had a beautiful wife And I mean stunning beautiful uh, She was a runner up for Miss Ohio beautiful and, and oh by the way she had two PhDs She's just brilliant He had it all Right up until he didn't And so his wife started to not feel well and they took her in for some tests and it found out that she had Parkinson's. And so for a couple of years he cared for her at home until he just couldn't anymore. And she went into a long-term care facility and it cost him his fortune, very literally. Life was hard for him. She was held captive as her health degraded more and more. Just this rigid form of his wife that he used to know. They tried this experimental Botox procedure and it was successful and he called me in tears and he said it worked. She was able to hold my hand for the first time in a year and a half. But her body still kept failing. And so not to be outdone, Steve, on a day that he really wasn't feeling well, I mean really wasn't feeling well, he checked himself into the ER, and they ran some tests, and an hour later this doctor walked in and coldly said, you have leukemia, and walked out of the room. And Steve spent the next 66 days at Cooper, on the edge of death, a lot of the time. And he left there feeling pretty well, except he had to go back and see his wife, whom he hadn't seen for two months. And he was in between the hospital and a bone marrow transplant in Ohio. And so he drove down the street here and he went and said goodbye to his wife, whose health had failed so much, because he knew that he wasn't going to see her again. And he drove out to Ohio. And the day that he got there His wife passed away And he drove all the way back here We had the funeral here A year ago And then he drove back to Ohio And he spent four months there Captive to this process Away from everything That he knew And It was a hard 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 time You know He came back, and the the whole procedure, it really didn't work, and he's still battling this cancer that can't seem to be defeated. He just got out of the hospital again the other day. And I would say this, this may be the worst Christmas story that was ever told in this season, except for this. Steve is the most thankful and joyful person I have ever met. I truly, truly believe that. Because before all of this, Steve started a relationship with Jesus that changed him. And he was able to live out his relationship with the Lord through this whole process. So at some point in his life, years ago, for Steve, he saw Jesus and believed. And now Jesus continues to live out his life through Steve, and so the rest of us get to see Jesus in Steve and believe. Steve's story is changing people all around him. It's a beautiful Christmas story. So it's Christmas, and God wrapped his son in these swaddling clothes and he laid him in a manger and he gave him to us as a gift so that we would see and believe. We're going to do uh, communion now. Guys, if you can come forward. You know, Jesus said to remember him. And so this is a time for us to remember what Jesus did. And so for some of us, it's a time for us to say, I need to make clear where my heart is, right? I need to clear out some of the sin, all of the sin, a time for, for confession, a time for repentance, a time to make things right with the Lord. For others of us, it's a time to start the relationship with the Lord. It's a time for, for you to see Jesus, maybe for the first time, with a clarity that you've never had before. And believe. God makes it so easy You can just say, God, my mess is my mess, and I know that this little tiny piece of sin, however small or large it is, I know that that keeps me from you, and I'm ready for you to walk into my life and fill that space in my heart that I know only you can fill. So we're going to do Christmas uh, in communion at the same time, just a little bit differently. So my kids when they were little we would read this book to them it's the Jesus Storybook Bible and if you're parents and you don't have this yet I really recommend that you get it. So I'm going to read this story and I want you to remember as it's as it's being read. So guys can you pass the plate please? Thank you. And if you're gluten-free these are gluten-free. So enjoy. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down, seas would have roared, trees would have clapped their hands, but the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. And one morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly, a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger, from heaven. And when she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. "You don't need to be scared," Gabriel said, "God is very happy with you." And Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. "Mary," Gabriel said as he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears, "Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy." You will call him Jesus. He's God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait. God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she said, Whatever God says, I will do.